Hello and welcome to Doom Lift, the Melbourne Demons fan podcast. Neats, this week was another mediocre mundane loss, but it is also filled with a lot of interesting nonsense, which I'd rather talk about. Um, let's start with Jesse Hogan's Twitter war with Tom Morris. Ah, uh, that was honestly, I'd much rather talk about that than the game. Um, that was hilarious. Can you give um, our listeners a bit of an intro if they're not on Twitter? I only found out because of you. Oh, you, you it was were on hilarious. It so I know I was because it was just so funny. Um, so I'm sure most people uh, and most of our avid listeners were following the story closely. And we also posted about it on our deluded mm. Facebook page immediately after it happened. Heavy so traffic for that post. Heavy traffic. I think there were like two <laughs> likes in total. But um, basically, Jesse Hogan hasn't tweeted in about a year and uh, decided to jump on the Twitter sphere after a year just to post the following about Tom Morris. He tweeted... Tom Morris is commenting the World Cup. It's his first call-up, or I haven't been paying enough attention. And then his next tweet... Hashtag mute. Hashtag mute. And then his next tweet, which is nine minutes later, Honest Leach had a job at Melbourne Football Club that was private and used it and leaked private conversations to get a leg up. Not even involving me, but genuine leech of a personality. Have never seen a faker figure in the media. And then another... Um, 10 minutes later, he comments at Tom Morris just to, just to tag him to make sure that he was aware of his uh, thoughts on Tom Morris. I thought that was hilarious. It came out of nowhere. Hey? It was completely out of nowhere. He hasn't tweeted in over a year. We understand it's about the Brendan McCartney um, saga. So last year, Tom Morris wanting to write a story or writing a story about the Brendan McCartney uh, situation. And this is while he was running the D's podcast. The Inside Melbourne Inside podcast. Melbourne podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And That's he had exactly some right. Inside access information is the accusation that yeah. he misused. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like a weird thing a year later for Hogan to be tweeting. Uh, it's just. It wasn't even about him. No, it wasn't even about him, and it's also just... Is he just that passionate about Brendan McCartney's relationship with Simon Goodwin? Apparently, or he's, like, really passionate about, you know, the sanctity of the division between the press and, you know... Like, maybe Jesse's just got strong views about, you know, why there needs to be some type of regulation on the press. Right, right. Maybe he's, like, some, He doesn't like, believe in whistleblowers. Yeah, exactly. Like. He doesn't believe in whistleblowers. It's quite funny, actually. I, um... I did find that those tweets utterly hilarious because what is you could Hogan just doing? I, well that's why I just I miss Jesse Hogan for that reason because yeah. where have our characters gone? You know the one thing I would say is that once upon a time we used to be this club filled with sort of characters you know like Watts and Hogan I mean Gorn's oh, still there like when Neats put that cab driver in a headlock no I wasn't reason. referring to that oh. but like I was more referring to people who kind of just had a bit of you know a bit of sort of like sass about them yeah I feel like now, now we have, just um, Clayton Oliver not not eating sugar during the preseason. And yeah, Jack Viney's focusing on hydration. I and mean, Jack Viney. I mean, love Jack Viney as a player, but he's you know. Gorn's a character. Gorn is Gorn's a character. Be one of the best in the he's league. a real character, but he's the only one character left. Yeah. Who are the other characters at the club? I reckon Harms has the promise. Maybe it's just Chompers a big is a bit of a. Looks like he's yeah. got something going on. It's true, but we used to have some sort of sassy players, you know, yeah. or just people with a few who had a few. Bit of personality. Yeah. Bit of personality. Now yeah. I feel like so I do miss Jesse Hogan for that reason. I do thought I did think it was hilarious though because you could just see Jesse Hogan coming home, for, you know, from a night out in Perth, and I don't even know how late those messages were. I don't think they were that late, but just coming back from the pub or something, and a few beers turns on the TV, sees Tom Morrison is like, right. "I hate you," and yeah. just feels the need to just tweet about him nonstop. It was hilarious. Just imagine the Fremantle media manager's oh, reaction to that. Oh, absolutely. Pretty quickly, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's the first bit of nonsense discussion. <laughs> What's the second, Kieran? What else have you got for us? Well. 
I'm sure people um, enjoyed during the telecast of the game, as the game was drifting away, as it was inevitably about to do, the fight between May and Frost. Oh, that was great. Which was really a little bit random. It seemed as if Frost made an error, but it didn't even seem to be that much of an error. And May just went absolutely psycho at it. Was it May going psycho at him? Yeah, it was. Yeah. He was really upset with him for, I think, maybe coming off his man and trying to spoil, and I think the ball went back into the middle. And I'm like... Mate, you haven't seen Frost play long enough. He does way more stupid things than yeah, that. Yeah, your problem like, is, is that it's like, well, don't waste your anger on this particular exactly. instance. You're like, there are plenty of more, uh, you yeah, know. He's going to have a lot of frustration ahead. Oh, gosh. He's got a lot of frustration in his yeah in his future. That's true. And I tell you what. Mate seems like a very where he's hard on his sleeve kind of character. He does. He looked like he was about to cry when yeah. he was having this fight with Frost. Yeah. Which is a little bit weird. I think he just looks like that, though. Do you remember when... um? Last year, he got in trouble for headbutting the umpire. He actually kind of had this really pleading look on his face as well. Yeah. I think he just has this... I think he wears his heart on his sleeve, you know? And look, I think that's good because the game was drifting away and you do need people to stand up. Um, I just thought it seemed a little bit harsh because Frost had had a pretty decent game. Yeah. Um, And I don't know. It is kind of a little bit weird, I think, that the way that May has controlled the narrative out of this. Because I watched that and I thought, geez, May's gone a bit too far here. And now everyone's like applauding Ma- May for yeah, his leadership. for standing yeah. up. And Frost kind of apologised. I don't know if you saw in the media today. Frost basically said, oh, look, you know, I'm disappointed in myself for not, you know, responding well to the feedback. Um, and so the lesson for me next time is to take the feedback better. I'm like, it's like an abusive partner that manages to convince the victim that they're the one who's responsible for causing the problem. Classic you, Kieran, to see Frost as the victim and you come <laughs> like leaping to the defence of Frost. <laughs> I just, I just don't really think Frost was in the wrong there because it was pretty dramatic and he really went on and on about it. It's a bit pointless. I yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was a bit <coughs> much personally, but I guess we're trying to set high standards as we always have in our defense. And also, famous high we're standards. clearly meeting those high standards. I'm not sure where the feedback is getting us. Yeah. Um, because we should probably say something about the game. Oh, as much as to. I would rather discuss the uh, sideshows from the uh, from the weekend, which for me, I mean, honestly, the Jesse Hogan tweets filled me with a lot more joy and entertainment than anything about that game. But right. well, what the, did you the think season, of it? The season's now officially irrelevant. I right? mean, we are totally on the. We're, I'm not even on the brink of irrelevance. We actually are irrelevant. I don't even know if mathematically we can make it anymore. Maybe technically, if we win every single game. No, no, no. But yeah. and smashed other teams as well in the process. But no, obviously not. So the season was shot weeks ago but I mean the takeaways I mean where did we even start with the game the skills were awful there was so many hospital hand passes into um you know players that were under pressure or into opposing players um you know so that was a bit of a disaster um the goal kicking is still an issue yeah. the forward entries are still just you know diabolical and um, we said that we did we were ahead of Brisbane I mean a good team at the Gabba we were 10 points ahead with about five minutes left in the third quarter yeah, they cost themselves a lot of yeah. opportunities. I have they played to say. a bit like us. They really yeah. did. They really they squandered were. Shot they after squandered shot. shot after shot. And honestly, they were smacking us around so much in the midfield. It was only a matter of time. I mean, Lockie Neal was basically running around by himself. And it is actually really interesting watching Lockie Neal on TV because you just see how much he runs. Like, he just works so much harder than anyone in our midfield. Like, in, in terms of his defensive running and offensive running is extraordinary yeah that's why it's so hard to tag yeah you can't go with him no he will just keep running and so that was that was incredible and i mean like look why someone why petty remained on hipwood even after he'd kicked his like fourth goal was yeah was like beyond me yeah i agree with that although <coughs> i have to say i was a bit more pissed off about that during the game and then i watched i watched some of the replay and you see some of hipwood's goals and they were a bit unlucky 
I mean, Hipwood's first goal, which really got him going late in the third, was... Was that the, Rich kick? No, sorry, was the cool Zorko kick? Zorko kick, like line. a brilliant kick, which there's no way Petty can stop that. Yeah, but there's no defence. Where was the defence? I know, but that was pretty random. And then he got, he got like, a quick pass. Um, I think after he kicked his third, that's probably the moment it should the change should have been made. But, yeah. You know, you can also understand them, them thinking, look, Petty's played a pretty good, you know, first two and a half quarters. Well, Hipwood was nowhere to be seen. Right, right. Give him a shot. You know, he's a young kid. Let's see if he can do it. My only problem with it is, like, I don't mind the theory, but what's the point of May? Yeah. Like, we recruited May to take the best defender in the opposition team, right? The that best was the forward, yeah. The well, that forward, was exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Like, they had May playing on Charlie Cameron. Right. And I understand the need to sort of be a little bit creative in terms of how you quell um, Charlie Cameron's influence, particularly now that Jed is not in the team. But putting May on Charlie Cameron when Hipwood is just going berserk and is single-handedly winning them the game right. is just strange. Like, I don't understand what the purpose of May was. Yeah, I mean, surely you'd put Hibbard on Charlie Cameron. Right, exactly. And put May on, on Hipwood. Because I think Frost had um, McStay Right. And Frost did a pretty decent job. McStay didn't really do anything. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, it's just a weird matchup. It's kind of hanging Petty out to dry. Because Petty, you know, he's, he's been okay the last few weeks. But Hipwood's out of his weight range and class range. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Um, it's a pretty rough matchup for him to have, particularly as Hipwood gained in confidence. Completely, and he couldn't miss. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so, I don't know. I think that was a frustrating coaching decision. Very much so. And maybe it cost us the game, because really, Hipwood was the difference. We lost he by was five the goals. Entire, he five was the goals. entire difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The game was incredibly even up until then. Um, but he just came alive, really, after right. not really doing anything. And the other thing that frustrated me about the game is... We have a midfield that seems to often get really big numbers, but still have a pretty low impact. I agree with that. So you look at the stats of the game, they don't look that bad. I mean, Oliver had 36, Viney had 30 plus, I think Harms had something around that. It looks like they had a really good game, but, but it's the a, impact. Because of skills. It just comes back to skills, doesn't it? I mean, you just have these players, like, oh, I did watch the first quarter of the Bulldogs-Port um, game and Bontempelli's skills in the wet, like, pouring down in the wet. I mean, it's extraordinary, right? Like, you just, you R- see those when skills. you applauded the decision to get Dom Tyson instead of Bontempelli? Yeah, I didn't applaud that decision, Never Kieran. forget. Never that forget was decision. not right. I applauded the decision. If they were going to go with Jack Billings, at the time, I said I wasn't sure if that was a good decision. <laughs> Do you applaud the decision to go for Dom Tyson rather than Jack Billings? I mean, no. Now I don't, okay? <laughs> Billings is everything that we need. He's skillful and he's quick and he's got and he's creative. But... Um, you just see the skill differential, yeah. you know, and it is quite, quite extraordinary. Like our midfield, I mean, they're just, the decision making and the skill and the execution is, is really, really not great. And, I, think and I don't know, and you can't, you can amass all the statistics you want, but if you can't make any impact with any of those balls, you're just not really going to be a particularly successful team. And we just don't have any impact in the midfield. Totally. And my real concern right now is that we're not getting enough value from Gorn. Mm. Now, obviously, he was injured for part of the game, but even when he was on and crushing Stefan Martin yeah. in the hitouts, we get nothing look, from we it. We don't get that much We from can't it. do anything. We'll get it. We might get a clearance, and if we yeah. get the clearance, we'll go inside 15 and we'll turn it over again. Yeah, so, it's going to be a rushed clearance. Rushed clearance. Yeah. It won't be clean. Yeah. yeah. Other, than, other than Salem, who is truly just such a sublimely skilled player. Beautiful. We just don't have enough of and that. And milkshakes. And milkshakes, yeah. And we desperately need, need We really do. Back. No, I agree. I actually don't really know how he managed to do so well last year. Yeah. Because it's funny. I mean, I think... Um, actually, I think Jonathan Brown made a point on, on the couch, which I think is a really valuable one, where he said, 
that, you know, we've been playing this sort of chaos ball all year, this year. And um, that was the same type of play that we were doing last year, right? Just this territory game, just get the ball forward, whatever, cast, wasting inside 50s. But just when you have enough um, shots, eventually you'll, you'll wear the opposition over and eventually you'll get some goals out of it. It was effectively our game style last year. Um, and now one of the problems with the 666 is it means that we just don't have the people really there to help avoid those turnovers. So back when back last year, we just had so many people on the back of the square that even if we did get a turnover, we just had enough reinforcements in defense to eventually urge that right. ball forward again. But now that we don't have that, it's just much harder to do that, right? We're really reliant on our defenders, and our defenders are not that great. Yeah. And, you know, we just we can't deal with the fact that the turnovers are so, uh, you know, are so quick and kill us so much. Yeah. And I do wonder as well if teams have just gotten better at at reading Gorn. Yeah. So we don't get that big an advantage. Because well, remember I remember last year where Gorn would tap it and there'd just be so many players breaking into space, you know, Brayshaw, Viney, Oliver. Yeah. We don't have that at all. Yeah, I agree. I do, I do, yeah, I completely agree. Because now you think about it, if a, if a team was to prepare to play Melbourne, I, I can't even think the main thing they were prepared to do is to play Gorn. Right. Don't you think? Totally, yeah. It's like what teams used to do to Fremantle with Sandalands. Yeah. Right? You're not going to get the tap. Just How do you set up around, around the ball to yeah. either minimize the other team or get the ball? And teams are starting to do that. So yeah. it's a challenge for Gorn as well. Because the truth is, his game can't be measured just in terms of how many hit-outs he has. No. He needs to have a lot of impact around the ground. Mm. And he has done that in some games, but I do think that's something that he's going to have to keep, keep getting better at, mm. right? Because I think we can sometimes get a little bit um, enthralled by statistics. And I do this definitely with Oliver sometimes where he'll get 38 possessions, and then you think about it, and you're like, what impact he had did he no have? impact, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. So, I don't know. So many concerns. What do you think of um, T-Mac? Last week, we thought maybe it is... <laughs> a return. You know, a return of T-Mac. He, had a, he looked pretty good in the first quarter. Mm, he did. He started well, um, but he was kind of like Christian Petrarca. Yeah. You know, Petrarca started really well as well, and then just faded. I mean, so they both did. It's just, they're just not really trustworthy, are they? Yeah. And the thing that was bugging me a bit is there was just too much space. There really was no tackling pressure whatsoever from Melbourne. Mm. And that's pretty damning. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't know, even if it's not, I mean, the one thing I do will always say about Wiedemann, as we've discussed, is that notwithstanding the fact that he's not really doing much forward craft, right? He does tackle and he does try and apply pressure. But that's the thing. Track and T-Mac, they disappear from the game and then you don't even see them apply any pressure whatsoever. Yeah, that's true. They're not even around the ball. They're not even around the ball. They're nowhere near it. And it's a bit hard to understand with T-Mac because with track, I suspect it's a bit of a fitness thing. It's completely a fitness Because he's, he's had so many games this year where his first half's been great and then he's completely he just died. faded yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, But T-Mac, he's, he's, he's an elite. excellent runner. That's his skill. Right. Yeah, so what is he doing? I don't know. It makes me think, and it's a little bit hard to tell watching on TV, that, that Goodwin needed to play him off the ground more, right? Yeah. Because when he wasn't getting into the game... Last week, they were doing that. This week, he seemed to be stationed forward. He was mm. kind of marooned there, and he just mm. didn't, didn't get to do much. Mm. I don't know. So, they were flaky. Um, Rowan Bale Award for most underrated performance. Um, actually quite tricky this week, because none of our mid-level players actually were even vaguely competent. I mean, none of our top-level players were also competent. So, it's like sort of... I'm not sure who you can really select. I mean, Christian Salem was awesome. He is like quietly going about putting together a really excellent season. Yeah, yeah. He's been, he's been very good. And he won't get the plaudits he deserves because the team's been so bad. No, exactly. But, but he really should. He re- I think he really has taken that next step. Right. But I think that would be an absurd winner of the award. Why? Uh, because everyone's rating his performance. He was great. I think it should go to your favorite player, um, Nibbler. Don't. Neil Bourne. 
don't. That's just harsh on the award. Well, he was okay. You know, he was involved in a couple of score involvements. He was, you know, sprinting around from side to side, making less mistakes. Um, I thought he was all right. Would I give him a two-year deal? No. but Is that what they're planning on giving him? Apparently. Apparently it's pretty much locked away, isn't it? I thought. I mean, I'm glad we've got those pieces of our future signed on. <laughs> um, Nitz, the Carlton game. This is a really, really, really big game. If they lose this game, and I suspect they might. I think we'll lose. Yeah. I think we'll lose as well. Goodman's in some serious strife. No, it's not. You don't think so? He's contracted for it. Is like it? another five years or something. But <laughs> I don't know how long. At least two more years. Like, surely time. some pressure has got to come on the whole club. If you are one of the premiership fancies and you are losing to Carlton and you've you only had four wins for the season, that's pretty bad. That means we we're literally going to finish 17th. 17th. Yeah. We're going from finishing 5th to 17th. Right. That's Well, actually, well, you know, we made the prelim to 17th. Yeah. That's extraordinary. With virtually the same players... We literally got rid of Hogan, right. brought in May, and then every and you know obviously Kent went out. But that was kind. Of, that's literally the only change. Not like the entire team has been overhauled. Right. Well, we've had a decent amount of injury problems. Of course, of course, of course. But yeah. a lot of teams have injuries as well. I mean, yeah. the Tigers haven't been doing so well on the injury front. Right. Um, Port have had a lot of injuries as well. But seventeenth, seventeenth from a prelim final is really embarrassing. Yeah, it's pretty bad. That's very very bad. And you know you've got to ask the question. If we don't win any more games for the season, what happens to Goodwin? Or you think that nothing? You think that there is no situation in which Goodwin will lose his job at the end of the year? I don't think so because my understanding is he's contracted. Is it two or three years after this year? Like three, I Might think. Might have been three years. Mm. I can't even imagine what the payout will be. And mm. yes, maybe you come to some kind of arrangement, but it's going to be a hell of a lot of money. Mm. I don't think we have a spare million dollars just to throw. Also, they're not going to do it off the back of one year, but. Yeah. I do think, though... He'll come under a lot of pressure at the start of next year. If they perform this poorly in the start of next year... Right, but then he'll still have another couple of years in his contract, right? I don't know. I feel like with this list with Gorn... Yeah. That, I mean, that's just a real, real market fall from grace. Because you have to sort of ask yourself, does it, does the, do we need to rebuild? You know, right now, I think my biggest problem with Melbourne is I don't know if we have the cattle to take us forward. I think we actually... I think we do... Have, we're going to have to trade out one of these hard nuts in the midfield... Um, in order to bring in some leg spin and some skill. Yeah. Because the skill gap is just beyond true. anything that we thought. But I think we have some some fundamentals that are in place. Like what? I do think our back line, when we get all the, all the players together, is going to be a pretty good back line. Right. I think our mid, line? midfield hardness plus Gorn is very good. Mm. And we'll, you're right, we need to make some tweaks, but I don't think we need to radically reshape it. Oh, I don't know. I think that the team's just getting exposed all the time, consistently. I know, a team that made a prelim last year. Like, you don't lose your time that quickly, and a lot of them are really young. Right? That's we can't true. forget that. It's not like we've got all these aging warriors. And, you know, players like Jones and Lewis will exit, which will lead to some younger talent coming through. Right. Um, the forward line concerns me, but, you know... There is still some talent up there, don't you think? Like, I'm not willing to write off Wiedemann yet. And I still no. think Petrarca will be an absolute star. What do we think about Tom McDonald? Tom McDonald, I mean, it's hard to know, right? Is last really year the aberration or is this year the aberration? The so. problem I have is that we just don't have enough wingers and we don't have enough good small forwards. But that's been our problem for forever. But small forwards are usually easier to find. Maybe right. not for us, but typically you can go deep in the draft and find some good players. Right. Like we yeah. don't seem to want to draft any small forwards. That we just want to keep drafting these slow inside midfielders. But, right. you know... I really think that we need the person we actually need to invest the most in is aside from probably getting rid of David Misson, um, who you know was coming under some increased scrutiny this week. I mean, it is it is extraordinary to think that like 
Magic Door obviously went through the most tragic of circumstances. You know, nearly, nearly couldn't walk again, yet he's, you know, ready to go to play football this week. And yet we have people on the injury list for like a year for things which are, you know. Yeah, I wonder what Vandenberg would think seeing the Magic Door story. Well, that's exactly it. It's just like there's got to be a reason why the rehabilitative processes at some of these clubs seems to be a lot better than the rehabilitative processes at Melbourne. Right. Um, yeah, so that's that's that. I mean... Um, yeah, someone's just like out for like six weeks with a broken toe at Melbourne and it's just like, you know, okay, season's over effectively. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's a problem. But I do think we need to invest in like someone like Stephen Wells. I really do. I think the list management needs to shake up because they're just yeah. drafting too many of the same people. And I really, really think that like Stephen Wells in particular has the ability or someone surrounding Stephen Wells has the ability to find like really good, cheap, young talent. Well, it's been this Marnie... Todd Viney combo for quite a while. Yeah. Right? Um, Time yeah. to overthrow it. Yeah, it probably is. I mean, I don't think we've discussed this ad nauseum, but I don't think either of them are strike me as amazing bargainers. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, we've discussed that. And we have some some real holes in the list. So maybe, but I mean, good luck doing that. I mean, there's They're no, so there's no sign. Yeah. Anything's going to change on that front. Isn't that awkward as well? Because say the club did want to trade Jack Viney. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that they would. He's obviously the captain. But say, you know, you never you can never say never, right, in mm. this day and age. But say there is ever a decision to trade someone like Jack Miney, you yeah. can't really make that decision, can you? No, you can't. And I guess in theory you'd say that that um, Todd Barney would recuse himself. But I mean, you know, it's he can't. It's still just awkward. He can't do his job no. recusing himself from that decision. And it's the same problem that Stephen Silvani's probably had. Right, exactly. At Carlton. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. I don't think it's a great setup, and I hope it changes, but we'll see We'll see what Gary Pert does. So far, I'm he's sure there'll be no signed changes. up Goodwin for as long as possible. So, Which we're really happy about. <laughs> Um, this week against Carlton, so the battle for 16th, um, it, the, I think Gorn's going to knock it a play. I agree. I mean, all the talk in the media about how his like, ankle flared up massively, but he's really committed to no, playing. No, I just don't to even There's no do way it. Just put Prusy in. Yeah. I also kind of think, you know what? Give Prusy his opportunity. Yeah. That's also something I, I feel like maybe they'll just like inject Gorn like seven times just to make sure Prusy doesn't play. That seems to be the approach of the Melbourne, uh, right. you know, match day committee uh, <laughs> tactics. Yeah. No, you've got to give him a chance. I mean, he's played well in the AFL. He's played well in the VFL. He's doing everything. Give him a chance. I agree. And let him be the number one man. Yeah, give him, give him a game and, and let's see how he goes. I, I, agree. I I think he should come in. I'd kind of welcome it just to see how he goes. Me too. The season is shot, so it doesn't even matter. Yeah. I would give JKH his last shot. Really? Yeah. I mean, look, he's playing well in the VFL. Hannon is doing nothing. So you drop Hannon? I'd drop Hannon. And I love Hannon, but Hannon is just totally out of form. Yeah. Completely out of sorts. Give Jack Hatch a few games and see. Maybe he can, you know, resuscitate his career. Maybe not. But mm. I think he's got a little bit of ability, so I'm happy to give him a go. Yeah. Don't yeah. put it too highly. Don't put it too highly. Uh, is there anyone else who no. is in the mix? No, it's a problem when your team plays terribly, but you also don't really have any replacements. So the best team is probably just unchanged. Yeah. That's a concern. I know. <laughs> well, you don't want to mess with the winning combination, do you? <laughs> Um, so prediction. I mean, even when we were going well, we've had some trouble with Carlton. We do, because we always get ahead of ourselves against them. But then they don't have... Is Cripps back this week? No. Uh, it's unclear. He's okay. a test, I think. Jack Charlie Kerno's not playing. So, yeah. I mean, if Kerno's out and is McKay still out? Uh, that I'm not sure about. Yeah. I mean, we really should win. You look at their midfield. It's Ed Kerno, Petreski Seaton. Mark Murphy's back in the midfield Walsh, now. yeah. M- Mark Murphy and Paddy Dow. Like... I just think that they are riding like a life high right now. You know, yeah. they're just, I think Teague's got them really playing kind of inspired football and that they're sort of confident and they're moving the ball forward. And I think they're playing with like a lot of cohesion. Whereas I think we look like 
a mess. Yeah, and if particularly if Gorn's out, um, I think we could lose this by quite a bit, like 30 points or something. I would say mostly like 15 or so, yeah. Okay. I think we'll go down fighting, but I think that we'll... I, I do think we're going to lose this game. Yeah. And yeah. the heat will come on Melbourne. It will, it will. Um, maybe we'll get some attention from the shows again. Mm. I think we'll become a bit irrelevant. Oh, definitely. No one really cares When you're that us. bad, people just stop caring, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got, we've given Melbourne the attention it deserves, though. <laughs> we will never stop. We will never stop. Um... Thank you again for joining Deluded, um, the last Deluded in my 20s. Yes, so yeah. Kieran is um, turning 30 this weekend, mm. which is very exciting. So we're all going to uh, New York to celebrate. Yep, still debating whether at 1am uh, in New York I should watch Melbourne Carlton. I would not do that. Um, that would be a pretty grim way to start my 30th year, although kind of fitting. I think so. The last 20 years. I think it's appropriate. Yeah. So what has been your biggest highlight as a Melbourne supporter in the last 20 years? Or in the last 30 years, oh, rather. That's a great question. Um, well, I started following the team 20 years ago. I would say the Melbourne... Ooh, oh, that's tough. The Melbourne St. Kilda Elimination Final. Because that was our first date. That was our first date. With our friend Lamb. That was amazing. Um, and the Melbourne Fremantle game when Melbourne was down by 50 points in the third quarter and came back to win. Which year was that? It was a grim year. It was like 2011 or something. And there was like 15,000 people at the MCG. And there was no atmosphere. But... By the end, that was amazing. Yeah, I would say those are the, the highlights, which when you lay them out, it's a fairly bleak list of highlights. But Really? Those are the highlights? Yeah. Not even... What about the the first Eagles game last year? Oh, that was pretty good. There is something about being at the game. Totally. When yeah. you're not at the game, it does... It does. It's just totally different. I know. Yeah. I, I do remember the Eagles game, though, because yeah. I was just so elated. I remember that morning. We were, we were crying. We were up and about. We but... were up and about. There's something about being there, which is why I have this huge regret that we were in America when um, Melbourne had its finals campaign last year. Yeah. We missed the Hawthorne and Jolly so, games. Because you think, I, well, that would have just been extraordinary. Because is it your concern that we will never see one again? Like, we'll go back to Australia and then we'll no, won't see any wins ever again? No, 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 no. I, I, I think the team is going to rejuvenate a bit and be better next year. I just think there's too much top-line talent. Even mm. Goodwin can't screw that up. Mm. Yeah. Well, on that cheery note, thank you again for joining Deluded. Um, we will join you after my 30th birthday yeah. in New York, probably, um, nursing a hangover and celebrating the unexpected win against Carlton, maybe. Um, until then, follow us on Instagram at Deluded Podcast. Um, go Dees. Go Dees. <laughs>